0: The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church and Pastor Mark Ermler. Take your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 4, and we are making progress as we are uh, working through this wonderful book. Ephesians chapter number 4 to me is the pivotal chapter in, in a very important book because the theme of the book is... God's design for your life. And God does have a purpose. He does have a plan. He's desiring for you as His child to really grow. We would use the the word mature. The Bible here in in the King James, in Ephesians chapter 4, uses the word perfecting. Perfecting. God's desiring to mature. God's people so that the church can function as God designed the church to function. Can I tell you something? The world desperately needs the church. It needs the Lord, absolutely. But do you know God's working in and through His church today? The Lord Jesus Christ came with that mission. And the mission was simply, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so for three and a half years, Jesus labored amongst 12 that would become pillars in the church. We would know them as the disciples. And Jesus gave his life to those 12 and others that came along. We see that on, uh, at, uh, in Acts chapter number 1, there's a group of 120 that are gathering together in that upper room. It's still a small band, but it's through that church that God's going to accomplish all that He wants to accomplish in the world. And for 2,000 years, God has been using the church to accomplish His task. Now, I realize we're living in a day and age where the church has been minimized. You know, there was a a day when there was no such thing as uh, television and radio ministries. And I thank God for them, but there used to be a day where it was the local church is where God's people not only went to get fed, but they were matured, strengthened, built up, edified so that they could go out in the world and accomplish God's purpose and plan. And so the church is critical to us recognizing what God is wanting to do in every age. That's why all of uh, these uh, epistles that we study in the New Testament really are epistles that are written to local churches. So uh, as you uh, begin here going through the uh, New Testament, you come to Romans. It's a church. The, the, the Corinthians, the, the Corinth church, they receive two letters. Uh, Galatia uh, is a region, and, and the book of Galatians is written to the churches of Galatia. Ephesus is a, a, a church. It's a city, but it's the church at Ephesus. Uh, and we can go on and on here as we go through Colossae. Uh, it was a local New Testament church. And so these letters, oftentimes they are our favorite letters. Uh, the, 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 the book uh, of the Philippians is a, one of my favorites. And uh, yet we've got to see it in the context that it was given. It wasn't given just to us as individuals. It was given to us as a local body. And by the way, that's why I think it's important to be teaching through books of the Bible. Guess how God gave us these chunks? He gave us these chunks as books, 66 precious books that make up our holy Bible. And God gave them to us as a book. They were delivered as a book and they need to be studied as a book so that we get the whole thrust of what God is wanting to convey to His people and to His church. So Ephesians chapter number 4, we've been looking at the church and the unity that God's looking for in the church, the diversity that we have as different members in the body, the maturity that God is looking at, He's wanting us to be perfected or matured. Follow along verse number 12, Ephesians 4. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, again mature, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's our pattern. Jesus Christ himself that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. Listen, if we're not being fed and we're not growing, we're going to be susceptible to false doctrine. If we're not in the Word of God, studying the Word of God, letting the Holy Spirit take the Word of God, drive it into our hearts and minds, it's very easy here to be led astray. And Paul here is writing this church And he's saying, listen, uh, you need to grow up because you don't want to be like uh, this uh, uh, ship that's being tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So the remedy is, if the church would mature, if the church would grow up, uh, we would be standing doctrinally on truth. And God uh, would be getting glory from his church as we're old enough, mature enough to, yes, even go to battle, Ephesians chapter 6. And we'll get there. Put on the whole armor of God. You know, the church is, is not a romper room, all right? The church is not just a social club. The church is a place where God is developing soldiers of the cross, The church is a place where God's desiring for His people to grow up in Him so that we might uh, fulfill the purpose, the design of God. So in our verses here this morning, we're going to look at this uh, reality of uh, the church, the pathway that leads us to maturity. We're going to get a glimpse of what a mature believer looks like I want you to follow along now as uh, I begin reading in verse number 21. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation or lifestyle of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on... The new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Well, that's a word we don't hear often, and yet it's a Bible word, and it's a Bible truth. And can I tell you, a part of the maturing in our life leads us to holiness. As we grow up and we realize that, boy, God's got a big uh, plan for my life and for our church, and, and yet we have this element here of uh, this holiness that God's desiring to develop in His church. And it comes by putting off and putting on. Putting off the wrong things, putting on the right things. According to verse number 22 and 24. And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, wherefore putting away Lying. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, this is verse 29, but that which is good to the use of edifying or building up, that it may minister grace unto the hearers and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Father, help us this morning as we begin looking at the path that you have for us and that pathway, that leads us to a place of maturity for your church, for the individual members in your church, that, God, you would be greatly glorified as you're able to use a prepared people to accomplish your work. Lord, I thank you for this book. I thank you for our study together. I pray, God, that you would help us all this morning. Uh, Just allow your Holy Spirit... Uh, to drive home some truth that will help us. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. My heart this uh, morning is desiring so much for us to take the little analogy of what I saw Wednesday and Thursday uh, being around all my grandkids. Now, it's, uh, the kids, they're all grown up. So I have seven children and, and they're 20 years of age and older. And uh, so for the most part, you know, when I look at them, I see they're mature, all right? And uh, I thank God for the maturity. Uh, Many of them have their own families that they are uh, just raising for the Lord, which is exciting. But my eyes kind of focused on the grandkids over the holidays. Uh, And uh, I've got uh, 10 uh, grandkids or 9 grandkids with the 10th one on the way. I I, I look at that as 10. That's as good as 10. And uh, so as I look at these grandchildren... I realize that some of them are uh, you know on the upper end of childhood, and uh, some are 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 just preteen all the way down to babies, and there are different levels of maturity with each and every one and can I say this for you, young families? I'm thankful that those years of child raising of the real little ones is past. Uh, I'm not sure I could handle it anymore i mean i, I I'm just there amazed at the patience of my uh, my, my children, as they're dealing with their children, I just want to say I commend you uh, and uh, thank God for you. And I'm really thankful that I'm past that and uh, that, uh, that we, uh, we can just smile and, and watch the uh, grandchildren as, uh, as uh, they learn how to mature in different areas. Now, my Bible tells me that when I got saved, I began not as a fully mature Christian, but I began as a babe. And that's how you begin in the Christian life. You are born again into the family of God. And as a babe in Christ, there were things that I did as a babe that you would expect for a babe in Christ to do. Uh, Why? Because they're just babies. By the way, let's have patience for babies, all right? Let's have patience for those that uh, get saved and they're just getting going in, in the Christian life. And and yet, uh, as I'm watching my own children, uh, the youngest daughter, a uh, granddaughter I have, is Juliet, and the youngest uh, grandson I have is Cain. Uh, we call Cain, Cain and Ball. All right, uh, he's a big, a big old round, hefty uh, baby, less than a year old, and Cain uh, uh, is uh, just so sweet. He just sits. And smiles and enjoys life and uh, is just having a, a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving with all the relatives. Whereas Juliet's a little bit more reserved. Uh, now, she's a little bit older uh, and a little bit uh, uh, older than Cain would be. But, uh, boy, in those ages, there's a, uh, you can see an obvious lack of maturity in so many areas even some of the older ones. I I had uh, one one brush with one of my grandsons that I, I wasn't pleasant. I didn't enjoy it. Uh, Dad and mom went out a little bit and left grandpa to watch kids. Never let grandpa watch the kids, all right? Uh, that's not good. Because uh, a I, I, uh, little situation came up. I thought I had to deal with it. Uh, it was getting a little bit on the physical side, and you know how it is when cousins get together. And uh, so I stepped in between and Boy, I was glad when my son came home to be able to take over that ordeal. Uh, A lack of maturity. Some anger that wells up. Uh, Some having to have it my way wells up. Uh, Some he said, she said, he did, I did. Uh, And uh, I tell you, there's there's a, a wide spectrum between those that are growing up and maturing and those that are still very much childish. And can I tell you, those that are growing up and maturing are those that truly are being prepared for life and for the future. And uh, we're, just, we're just praying that the young ones live long enough to get there, all right? Uh, and uh, asking God's grace uh, for mom and dad. But let me share with you just two of the four uh, points that are listed in your bulletin here this morning. I want to I deal with uh, two thoughts that, that really help us in understanding uh, this growing in maturity. And the first point in your notes is maturity in the arena of our words. Charity, maturity in the arena of our words. Now, uh, again, my youngest granddaughter, Juliet, she doesn't use very many words, all right? Now, her vocabulary is going to grow as she matures. And it's going to get beyond here just a few uh, little words that let grandpa know what he needs to do, all right? Uh, And you get a little older, and boy, I've got some grandkids, they'll just talk your ear off. Uh, They've got vocabulary uh, that's uh, growing, and uh, this vocabulary uh, really sheds light on the reality that they are growing up. Well, here in the text, we have... Uh, some help concerning the words and how the words do give us away. Now, I'm going to read verse number 25 and verse number 29, and we're just going to look, first of all, at this thought of the words of a mature believer. Verse 25, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, For we are members one of another. So he's going to hit one area of words. And that area is being truthful with our words. Verse 29 goes on and says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That simply means it's rotten talk. Uh, It's not worthy to be spoken. Many of you, when you got saved, maybe you had a a real battle with some language. Uh, Maybe after you got saved, you realized that there was a language that I had in the old world that I, I really wanted God to help me with as I enter into this new life in Jesus Christ. The Bible promised that all things would pass away. Behold, all things would become new. And a part of that is really the language, and and a sign of maturity is language here uh, that is edifying, that is building others up. Not hurtful language, not language here that tears, not language that is corrupt. And so let's begin here with uh, the first thought of maturity in the area of our words using the boys and girls as an illustration here today and uh, asking God to uh, teach us as well about our speech. Let's look first of all at put away lying. What do I put off? The little blank there under number one is things I have to put off. And God in the text tells us there are things that I want you to put off. Verse 22, concerning the former conversation, the old man. Folks, I hope you realize when you got saved that God said not everything that you had in that old life is worth bringing into your new life. Now There are some behaviors and some conversations and some vocabulary. And uh, there are some things here that uh, was very natural to me as a lost person. But now as a child of God, God says, listen, you have to voluntarily put that off. And by the way, the Holy Spirit of God can help us do that. That because I'm a new creature in Christ, I don't have to talk like the world talks. Now I realize that an unsaved man is going to talk like an unsaved man or and, and I've heard some unsaved women talk like unsaved sailors. Uh, I've been in grocery stores and I've heard mama as uh, she just rattles off uh, uh, some very colorful words, you know, uh, and profanity. Uh, Can I tell you something? That may be natural in the realm of those that are lost, but for you that are a child of God, God says, I need you to understand that by God's grace you can put this stuff off. You're a new man. Verse 22, that ye put off concerning the former conversation. That's our old old life. Concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust. God says there's there's a lot of that old life that you just don't want to be living day by day as a, a child of God. And so God's heart is that you would put off. And the thing that he wants you to put off, first of all, is he wants you to put off lying according to verse number 25. Look at it. Wherefore, putting away. So here's one of the keys for the something I need to put off. Putting away lying. Let every... Uh, uh, speak every man truth with his neighbor. All right, so maturity in the area of our words. Uh, by the way, we are growing up in a society where lying has uh, become very acceptable. Uh, I have a study that wasn't done too long ago, a survey, where the average person admits that they would lie, and this is 91% of the time if it was a trivial matter. If they felt it was trivial, 90%, 91% of the time they said, I'd lie, I would lie. Uh, To parents, 86% of young people say that they would have no problem lying to their mom or lying to their dad. If it uh, embarrasses them, uh, if it causes them to uh, not feel good about themselves, if it causes them here to maybe get in trouble, uh, the, uh, the lie seems to be the easy path. And before we're too hard on our kids and grandkids, let's go back to our life uh, way back then, and and, uh, some of us perfected lying uh, as well. Uh, The survey said that concerning friends, 75% said they would lie to a friend. 73% say they would lie to a sibling. 69% said they would lie to their own spouses. 36% 36% said they would lie about important issues. Jesus said in Matthew 12, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does what? It speaks. What's in the heart is going to come out of the lips. And God's desire is that we as children of God, if we want to take some steps on the pathway to maturity, if we're desiring to grow up spiritually, then part of it is recognizing that there's some things I've got to say goodbye to, I've got to put off. And, And some of these things, first of all, are put off lying. When truth appears to be painful, even Christians resort to lies. They'd rather lie. To a brother and sister in Christ, or maybe a Sunday school teacher, or maybe the pastor, they'd rather lie than have to deal with uh, the, the painful truth. But can I remind you something? The Savior that you received is all truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me the very Savior that we have received into our life is the God of truth. Not only is He the God of truth, but we recognize that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of what? Truth. And so as the Lord Jesus Christ is truth and the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth, that you and I as God's people have to just look Straight on into our own lives and and say, am I allowing a part of my old life to invade space in my new life in Christ? Crowd out the Holy Spirit of God. By the way, we can't be lying and expect the Holy Spirit's blessing on our life. What we can expect is the grieving of the Spirit of God. Look at verse 29 and 30 together. Let no corrupt communications proceed out of their mouth. The theme there is what comes out of my mouth. Verse 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Folks, how how can we have the blessing of the Lord? How can we have the joy of the Lord? How can we know that we are in God's will accomplishing what He needs for us to accomplish if we are not willing to just own up to the fact that the hallmark of maturity really is a developing in the area of the words that I use. And when I am still using words in a way that shades the truth, changes the truth, embellishes the truth, exaggerates the truth, alters the truth, if I choose to do that, I'm choosing to live my life as I used to live it before I knew Christ. Do Christians lie? Yes. Is the Holy Spirit grieved when we do? Yes. And Oh, that the Lord would help us to see that one of the hallmarks of maturity is that we just get honest with God and with those that we know and love. You know, in a marriage relationship, God's looking for some Honesty. From a husband to a wife and from a wife to a husband. God's looking for truth. Sadly, so, much, so many times pride and, and our own self gets in the way. And, and because of pride and, and our own arrogance, we're willing to shade the truth so that we look better than maybe what we really are. And the Bible just says here, we've got some growing up to do if that's our pattern. God just says, you are, you are not yet mature. You're still acting as I hear my grandkids sometimes, all right? Uh, embellishing here a little bit. Uh, they're shading the truth. They're not really telling the whole story when uh, two uh, start fussing one with another. Boy, you try to get to the bottom of one of these little spats who did what, when, where, how? It's not an easy thing. You've got to be a detective and uh, try to get down to the the, the root cause and and what really started this uh, ruckus. And and so God's just saying, listen, maturity in the area of our words begins when we're willing to put off, first of all, put off lying, but secondly, put off corrupt communications. I want you to look at this in verse 29, because God is emphatic here. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. There's there's no exceptions. Folks, if it's corrupt, if it's polluted, if it's rotten, God says, no, don't allow it to be spoken. I recognize that the, the, the things that we're dealing with today are words and anger are the two themes this morning that sometimes... Uh, we recognize that they really do work hand in hand. That oftentimes because of words, anger is stirred up. And uh, because we're not being careful about the words that we're speaking, many people are are hurt. So what is corrupt communication? It's uh, a word here, that word corrupt is, is used as in uh, that which is rotten, that which is spoiled—for instance, rotten vegetables or fruit—and God says, "I want you to guard your tongue." Remember, we're supposed to put off—we're supposed to put off those things that uh, were a part of that old life. So, profanity has no part in the vocabulary of a child of God. And I realize you say, oh, "I'm just around the guys." Listen, you're also around the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit abides in you and you can grieve the Holy Spirit of God even when you're with the boys. The Holy Spirit's still there. And the Bible in the very next verse says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit. You say, oh, but they kind of laugh when I I, I use certain words here that they're comfortable with. As a Christian, you ought to be known as someone whose vocabulary has been Transformed. You ought to be known as that guy that now that you've received Christ as your Savior, I mean, the talk has changed. You've put it away. No more profanity. No more off-color jokes. No more dirty stories. No more gossip. No more uh, just uh, uh, allowing um, our lips to be used in perverse speech, corrupt speech you see how clear verse number 29 is? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. God says, I don't want it out of the mouth. I don't want it to come out. And when it comes out, my Holy Spirit is grieved. We've all known what it is to grieve someone by our actions, our activities. I was raised as a teenager in the city that flowed with beer, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We had breweries everywhere, and uh, you know, four taverns on, on and every four corners. <laughs> uh, it, it, it was just it was just what you did in my community, and the rite of passage for young people was just well, just you know, go get drunk on Friday night. I was shielded from that life because of a godly family, and I thank God for that. But uh, there was one day where I was uh, in high school and I, I enjoyed drama and I was part of a musical and, and uh, we had some parents that thought it would be a good idea to have a cast party and that cast party included filling up the refrigerator from top to bottom with cans of Miller or whatever was their choice. Just beer. I mean, no, no food at all. I'm telling you, from top to bottom, nothing but cans of beer. And oh, by the way, mom and dad thought, well, we don't want to spoil the party, so we're going to leave. And can I tell you, the peer pressure was just unbelievable because everybody's drinking. Everybody's just having a great old time. And can I tell you, I I held the beer almost all night long. I actually opened it up and I actually uh, uh, tried to smile after I took my first little sip. It was horrible. And, and so for the rest of the night, I'm carrying around this one beer just so that I can be cool like all the other kids. And then finally, I want to ride out of there. And one of the big football, not big football players, but big stars on our football team, uh, boy, he's in the back of the car just heaving. Just heaving all over that poor guy's back seat and floor. And I'm thinking, this is fun. This is enjoyable. Um, there are things that when we look back at our childhood, we see, well, there's a lack of maturity. And we've got to grow up. And we've got to recognize that there's certain things that we've got to put off in our life. And God says that speech has to be put off. That lying has no place in the heart of a child of God because the Holy Spirit dwells, the spirit of truth in that heart. Jesus Christ is always with us. He is truth. And so we've got to be willing to put off and to put on Good things. All right, so we had put off lying, put off corrupt communications, verse number 29. Go back up to verse 24 for just a moment. Now we're talking about things that God's saying, boy, in in this pathway to maturity, yes, I'm wanting you to take some things and, and cast them off, put them off. You don't need them anymore. But I also want you to put on certain things, verse 24, and that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Verse number 25, Wherefore, putting away lying. All right, so we have things that I'm putting on, things that I'm putting off. Verse 29 gives me an example here now in the area of communication, something that I ought to, in the area of words and language, something that I ought to put on. Beginning of the verse says, Here's what I have to put off, corrupt communications. Uh, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. So what do I put on? What I put on a vocabulary and language that builds up. That's what the word edify means. It doesn't matter. Peer pressure is, is great everywhere we go. In the world, you can't expect the world not to be the world. But you know, the world expects Christians to be Christians. I expect someone that's in the world to talk like the world, walk like the world. But for those that are children of God, oh, we have a resource in the Holy Spirit that allows us to put off what needs to be put off. He makes us a new creature in Christ. He gives us a new desire. It's not by willpower. It's by the working of the Spirit of God that we are able here to allow this language that is corrupt and that is filled with lies to be put off. And what's to be put on in its place? How about speech that edifies? That's the verse 29. Which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So the conversation I need to be having, or what I need to be putting on, is language that, number one, edifies, and number two, that ministers grace. Listen, if my words don't build others up in the faith, if my words here do not minister grace, then I need to ask God to help me as I mature in my Christian walk, so that my words might be what God needs for them to be. We ought to walk out of this place this morning just allowing God, the Holy Spirit, to search our hearts and say, God, how's my language? How's my language? Guys, I used to work in a a place probably much like where you work, and I had unsaved friends that had colorful language just like you have friends that have colorful language. But I learned early on in my Christian life that the best way to share with others that I'm not interested in listening to that dirty joke, I'm not interested in listening to that perversion, is I didn't have to stay in that conversation. I could just say, guys, have a great day, and turn and walk away. And you know what? They're going to think twice now about the next story that they're going to tell. And they're going to look to see, hey, is Mark there? Okay, okay, let me tell you a good story. (laughs) Uh, The deacon isn't here, all right, or the preacher isn't here, whatever nickname they'll give to that Christian that just wants to demonstrate the maturity of Christ in their life. And so, uh, oh, that we would have that kind of a testimony that we are not jumping in and telling our dirty story to try to top their dirty story, but we are truly building up, building up, edifying uh, with our conversation. And not only are we building up, but we are ministering through our conversation grace. I get ministered to all the time. I got ministered to this morning. Just, Just folks just coming up and just saying, you got prayed for this week. That was a blessing. Just ministering grace. Words that just flow to build up. Words that just flow to encourage. Listen, that ought to be the norm around here. That when you come to church that you're going to be ministered to by words. And and God wants to use us, each of us, to do just that. All right? So our first point this morning was maturity in the arena of our words. The second point this morning is maturity in the arena of our wrath our wrath. Another word we could use for that is just anger. This is an interesting verse. And I want you to look at it because it's one that maybe we we read and go right over without thinking much about it. But right after verse 25, where we're supposed to put off certain things, verse 26 says, "...be ye angry." Uh, by the way, that's the imperative mood in the Greek. It's actually a positive command. Be ye angry. But it doesn't stop there. What does it say? And sin not. Whoa. Be ye angry and sin not. What are we talking about here? We're talking about maturity We're talking about one of the evidence of maturity is the language. Our vocabulary changes. We're growing up in Christ. The things I used to say, I don't say them anymore. There's been a great change since I've been born again. That God, through His Spirit, allows me now to speak words that build up and to speak words that are going to administer grace. And, and, and that's how I'm able, not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but, but for the Holy Spirit of God to, 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 to rejoice over my life when my words here uh, are used for God and for God's glory. But verse number 26 now goes from this arena of words to the arena of wrath and our anger. And by the way, I learned uh, over the last couple of days that Uh, immaturity uh, often is demonstrated by anger. And they just can't control themselves. Uh, I won't won't say who. Maybe one day a grandchild will uh, listen to this message. But I literally had to do this to a grandchild here. And I felt so bad because dad wasn't there to do it. Trying to restrain him from hitting someone. And, and it wasn't just someone, it was a girl. I have a hard time with guys hitting girls. I just do. And I, I think if we don't teach young people when they're young how to uh, behave around young ladies, we have the mess that we have uh, rolling through uh, politics today. And I wanted to just calm him down, and so I just grabbed hold of him and tried to just... Uh, hold on to him, and can I tell you, he just got more angry and more angry and more angry. Wrath. And my wife would come over, and my daughter-in-law came over and finally diffused the situation, taking him out for a walk. But boy, the anger. The anger. What was it? Well, it's it's a real sign of immaturity. I'm not wrong. She was wrong. And because she was wrong, I get to hit her. She hit me, now I want my pound of flesh, you know? And, and I wouldn't allow it. Now, this, this may just be a, a, you know, a crafty young lady. I, I don't know, but anyways, the, the, the young, the young uh, uh, grandson here got the brunt of, of, of grandpa. And, uh, and can I tell you something? That just as our speech gives us away as far as our maturity uh, in Christ so our anger gives us away when it comes to our maturity in Christ. And these are two big issues. And Can I tell you, there's a whole lot of peace that could, could come back into homes if we would just deal with these two truths, my words and my anger. I mean, we could have heaven on earth in our homes if we weren't just so free to just say anything that pops into our brain but we would be careful my wife is a child of God she's a joint heir with me of all that God has she is uh, on uh, we're, we're on even ground I'm not above she's not above can I tell you something we're just on equal footing here before God we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. God doesn't love me any more or less than God loves my wife. But can I tell you, when, when there's a lack of maturity and words are spoken that are hurtful and cutting, Satan rejoices, but the Holy Spirit is grieved. And so if we could learn that I want to put off Using my tongue in a way that's cutting. And I would really hit ask God's help in the area of this anger, wrath, uh, then we might be able to see peace once again in our household. First of all, letter A, there is a command. So in the arena, uh, arena of wrath, there's a command be ye angry comes from the thought of being red-faced. T- d- determination. A settled confidence gives the impression here of a, a person that is willing to stand. Not all anger is wrong. Matter of fact, in the Scripture, we see several illustrations of the Lord Jesus Christ angry. Angry. But he did not sin in his anger. And I need you to listen to this. Be angry and sin not. There is a righteous indignation that Jesus demonstrated when they were selling wares inside the church house. And he's turning over tables. Can I tell you something? He was angry. But he did not sin. For if he had sinned, he would not be our Savior. So, there is an anger that he had concerning the Pharisees who resented his healing. Folks, on the Sabbath day, Mark chapter 3, verse number 5, it was a righteous indignation. He did not sin. We see other places here in the scripture where there was a right kind of anger. By the way, we should be angry by the murder of innocent children through the horror of abortion. That ought to get us angry. It ought to cause us to have a righteous indignation here uh, when uh, we look at families that are being destroyed by our society. All of the filth that's being pumped into the homes here Uh, via Hollywood that ought to get us upset we ought to be angry here about the fact that there's a a deviant lifestyle a minority that not only uh, want to continue to live in sin but they want to have the approval of the world to do so and that stirs me up it's a righteous indignation we ought to get angry when there's injustice and folks are assaulting the Word of God. So there is a right kind of an anger to which the Bible says is possible without sin. It's the kind that Jesus demonstrated. And, and, and by the way, I, I believe in maturity and as we grow in our Christian walk, we're going to be able to discern by the Holy Spirit to hate that which God hates and love that which God loves. He'll give us that discernment. I, I, I don't have to love uh, abusers. I don't have to uh, love the activity here of all the, the nonsense that's going on in our day, in our age. And so the scripture just first of all says that there is a command, and that command is to be angry over the right kind of things, but there's also a caution, her be. And and Ephesians 4 says that that caution is that we would not sin in our anger. There's a problem with this matter of being angry. We are rarely angry at the right people about the right things at the right moment in the right ways for the right reasons. We just get angry because we have been wrong. We know the difference between a righteous anger and an unrighteous anger where our anger sees because of self. Anger becomes sin when it's centered in self, when it's allowed to grow into resentment, Uh, when it plots the downfall of someone else. That's not a healthy anger. You know, they just love to magnify during Thanksgiving season some Christian that does something horrendous and all I see in the newspaper is, oh, here's a pastor that killed his family over Thanksgiving dinner. And I read that article a little bit closely and it said they were fighting. Can I tell you something? Wrath and words go hand in hand. Oftentimes because of the wrong kind of words that are being spoken anger comes up because people here uh, are, are vengeful, vindictive they're mean they're, they're wanting here to lash out at someone else and folks that's when it becomes sin it's not about God and God's cause it's about me and feeling better about being hurt by someone else that's sin that's sin And God's desiring here that we would recognize it for what it is. So there's letter A, a command. Letter B, there's a caution that we sin not. And then I want you to see as we close this morning, letter C, there is a condition. Be angry and sin not. And here's here's a life lesson for every couple here. I would circle this verse. It's so filled with wonderful truth, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Folks, you ought never, especially a married couple, ought never to allow an argument to carry over into a new day. I'd never let the sun go down, whatever it takes. I don't care if you're up till two in the morning, just take care of it. Whatever it takes to get resolved. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Why? Because all night long you're going to toss and turn. All night long you're going to get up mad. You're going to get up not talking to each other. You're going to get up, well, you did this and you did that. Listen, just get it settled. Recognize here that these two marks of maturity, the words that I say in my wrath, my anger, give me away. What do they give me away to? Being childish, immature. Not as spiritual as I think I am. And God's desiring to help us. There's two more that we'll look at next time, but here's a good start for us. All right? Uh, what's the pathway to maturity? Well, we've got to put off some things. We've got to put on some things. They deal with our words, and they deal here with anger.